Hi, good morning. My name's Michael. I, I hope you enjoyed that video. I think um, what I really like about it is how it gives us this broad picture of the gospel and the world we live in, right? We live in this amazing world. Now, years ago, um, people believed that the earth was fixed and that everything revolved around it. But about 500 years ago, we actually, the world discovered and, and came to realize and came to believe that actually the world was revolving around the sun. That we were not the center of the universe. We were actually way on the edge of the universe, this little out-of-the-way place in this massive, massive universe. We weren't the center of it all. What we came to understand is that actually God is the center of it all. He's the creator of it all. He created everything. The Bible says it like this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the whole Bible starts. If you were wondering, it's letting us know, uh, the earth came from God. He created it all. He created it with a purpose in mind. He created it with a plan. It wasn't an accident. You know, I have a laptop here that was created with a plan. It's not an accident. And if I took this apart, if I, you know, got the proper screwdrivers and I took it all apart into tiny little pieces and then I stuck it in a box and I shook it, I could shake it for a billion years. It's never going to put itself together. Things like that don't just happen. You don't just walk, you're not walking down the road and you see a beautiful house out in the middle of nature and you think, wow, that's amazing. That house just put itself together on its own. It doesn't work that way. Someone who knew what they were doing with a plan and the materials put that house together. Someone put that laptop together and God in the same way put this universe together with a plan in mind. And as he did it, as he created it, um, the last of his creation was us, was people, humans, men and women. And it's amazing to think about that we were created by God with a plan. So God creates us, right? Genesis tells us that. And, and what we come to understand, what we see in Genesis right away is our purpose. Why are we here? We're here to know God, to love God, to enjoy God, to have a relationship with our Creator. That is why we're here. We are here because He chose to make us. He didn't have to. He wanted to. We're not here by accident. But then God created the first person, Adam, and then he said, you know, he needs, a, he needs a friend. He needs a partner. He needs someone to do life with. So he created Eve. And he began this idea of relationships, not just with him, but with other people. God gives us these relationships. He created family and marriage and friendships from the very beginning. That was part of his plan. And, and he celebrates those things. He wants us to have deep relationships with people. But he didn't just give us that. He said, here, I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to name the animals. I want you to take care of the whole world. And we became stewards of this planet. And part of God's plan is that we take care 
of what he's given us. So we're supposed to do that. That's our job. That's one of our jobs. Take care of things and name the animals. But he also said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. He told um, the very first people, have children, have families, keep growing. I want there to be loads and loads of people all over the earth. Because he wants families and he wants friendships and he wants relationships. This was God's plan from day one. Right? He's the creator. There's no accident here. And, and by the way, the earth still, it's his. And everything in it is his. And we are caretakers. We're stewards. We are looking after God's stuff for him. That's the first picture I want you to get of this crazy place we call earth. Is it, we're not fixed in the middle. Everything doesn't revolve around us. We revolve around him, the son. He's the center of the story. He's the one who's made it all happen. We just to get to be thankful and grateful that we get to be part of this amazing story that God started a long time ago. So the Bible teaches us that God created everything, but it also teaches us this. It's so cool. Let's start again. Not only does the Bible teach us that God created everything, including us, but then it says this in Genesis 1.27. It said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created them. I want you to think about that for a minute. God created men and women in his own image. In the image of God. When I think of the word image, I normally think of like a mirror. You look into a mirror and you see your image, a reflection of who you are. But it's more than that. It's not just a reflection because God is spirit. It, it's more that we are created in his image and that we have the capacity to love and to give and to sacrifice and we're creative and we're relational and we're eternal. We were created as eternal beings to live forever like God. We were created, you and I were created in God's image. This is a gift that the Christian faith gives to the world, that, that God proclaims to the whole world, that every single person, listen to this, okay? Every single person on the planet Earth was created in the image of God. In other words, every single person has value and meaning and purpose embedded in them because of being made in God's image. Because they were created in God's image, they matter. And they matter to God. Now, I try to explain this to people, you know, how much we matter to God. How important are we to God? Because I think there's a lot of people in the world that think, God, God doesn't know my name. He doesn't care anything about me. He's, if there is a God, he's distant. He's out there. He's just kind of created the world, but he's busy with the rest of the universe. And, and I try to help them understand just how much God loves them. So here's the picture I, I like to give. I went to the um, 
to see the crown jewels a few years ago. I don't know if you guys have done that, but I went to the Tower of London, and in the crown jewels, there's a diamond there called the Star of Africa, and it's about the size of this baseball. One diamond. Now, if you've ever visited the crown jewels, you walk through an enormous vault door, right? Huge, like two feet wide. There's a regiment of soldiers that live above the crown jewels to protect them. There's so much security. There's just no way you're stealing those. And, and I went up to one of the guards and I said, the Star of Africa, the second largest diamond in the world now, uh, was the first largest for a long time. I said, what is the value of that diamond? He said, it's priceless. You can't put a price tag on that diamond. It is that worth that much. And then a few years ago, I also got to go to the Louvre. And a famous painting in the Louvre, you guys know, is the Mona Lisa. And I, I actually painted my own Mona Lisa. I recreated the Mona Lisa at my house. It took me a couple hours. Uh, here you go. Look at that. Uh, I did that in two hours. I discovered that Da Vinci worked on the Mona Lisa for 19 years because <laughs> he wanted to get the smile right. There was a blank space for a long time in this painting. 19 years he worked on it. And there's bulletproof glass in front of it and there's, there's hundreds of people who work in security at the Louvre to make sure that no one messes with any of their paintings. And this one is the crown jewel, right, at the Louvre. And if you ask anyone what is the value of the Mona Lisa? This one you can have for a fiber, right? This one was painted by me, is of no value. Uh, I think I did really well with the smile, but um, but that one, again, the, 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 the people there would say it's priceless. There was no price tag. You couldn't give us enough money to buy the Mona Lisa. Here's the point I'm trying to make. When God sees you and he sees me, made in his image, he sees the Mona Lisa and the Star of Africa. He sees someone to him who is priceless. When he sees the Star of Africa, or he sees the Mona Lisa, do you know what God sees? He sees a rock and a piece of paper with some paint on it. They're of zero value to God. At the end of the day, worth nothing to God. What is valuable to God, what is worth more than anything to Him, is you and me and how precious we are to God. We are priceless to God. And here's the other thing you need to hear. Ready? Doesn't matter what country you're from. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Doesn't matter what your passport says, what language you speak, how tall you are, none of that matters to God. What matters is that you are made in His image and He loves you. That's what matters to God. Not a rock or a piece of paper. The people He created matter to Him. So God created us all in His image. And everything started well. But then we decided God wasn't enough. That maybe we couldn't trust God. Maybe he was holding some stuff back. And so Genesis 3 tells us about what we call the fall. 
where humans decided to disobey God, decided to do life on their own without listening to God. And when that happened, everything changed. When that happened, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, it was like a cancer. And it broke the relationship that we had with God. And it, and it led to what we experience today, which is pain and suffering and bitterness. Romans 3.23 says this simply, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It wasn't just Adam and Eve sinning. It actually, because of their sin, it, um, it's like a virus. It infected the entire world. Sin entered the world and death with it. Death and destruction. We weren't designed to die. But God said, if you choose to disobey me, the result of that will be death. You will begin physically to die, but the relationship between us will be broken and will bring death with it. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin, or the payment for sin, is death. And that's what happened. When we decided to go our own way, when we ran from God, when we decided we, whether we didn't want to believe Him anymore, or trust Him anymore, or walk with Him anymore, whatever it was, death entered the world. And with death came pain. I remember watching a, a, a movie with Yoda years ago. You may remember this. And Yoda was like, um, he says, Fear, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And guess what? He was right. Yoda was right. Fear, anger, hate, suffering all come from sin. And it has spread throughout the world. And here's what you need to know. Here's what every person on the planet needs to understand. The pain and the jealousy and the bitterness and the hurt and the hate and the divisiveness that's running rampant around the world all started when we decided, no thanks God. We just want to do life on our own. We disobeyed Him. We ran from Him. And sin has now run rampant. And all have sinned, the Bible teaches us. Everyone is guilty of sin. And here's, what, here's the worst bit of the, all the news, right? We can't fix it. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. We can't be good enough. We can't pray enough. We can't build enough houses. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't go to church enough. We can't fix sin. We are helpless. It's like we have fallen into the bottom of a giant pit. And there is no rope. And there's no way to get out. And we are at the bottom of the pit, helpless. And we desperately need someone to save us. That is the situation for the entire world. We are lost, helpless, unable to fix it. So we're helpless. We're stuck. But God, two great words in the Bible, but God. If God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. But God does show up. God decides and realizes and knows we can't fix it. Only He can. So John chapter 1 tells us this, and I, I love the parallels to Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning... 
just like Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, the Word, the encompassing of all knowledge in the universe, is what the Greeks would think about, is Jesus. The Word is Jesus, and He was in the beginning with God, and that He is God. And then it tells us this in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God, the God who created the entire universe, became a man. Actually became a baby to begin with. He shows up in this pivotal, crazy time in history, right? You, you would think, when's he going to show up? He shows up when the Roman Republic, who's been running you know, most of the earth for years and years, has now become the Roman Empire. I mean, think about like Star Wars again, right? You know, the Galactic Empire. It's like the Roman Empire. And Caesar Augustus, the very first Roman emperor of the Roman Empire, is in place. And the Jewish people, God's chosen people, are basically slaves. They are being told what to do. They're being ruled over by the Romans. And in the midst of that, in the middle of all that, God shows up. Not, not as a military leader. Not as a king. Not as a famous person or a celebrity or a wealthy person at all. He shows up. God shows up. The creator, the person running the entire universe, and he shows up as a baby. Helpless. Needing help. Born to a couple young teenagers in the middle of kind of nowhere. And he says, here's the savior of the world. Servant. He's born to people who are poor, who have very little. You know, he's communicating, God is communicating to all of us, right? That he is here for everybody. He's showing up in a small village, in a faraway place on the edge of the galaxy, like Tatooine, like Earth. That I'm here for everybody. I'm here for the poorest and the wealthiest, the sidelined. And the front and center. God has shown up. And Jesus lives among us. And then when he's 30 years old, as any priest would do, they would start their ministry as a 30-year-old after having studied and prepared. He begins his ministry by going into the desert and fasting. And then he comes out. And he begins to teach people. And here's the point of Jesus, right? Jesus shows up. Because we've got these bad misconceptions of God. We've started to believe that God is distant, or that he doesn't care, or he's not even there, or he's all about rules, and he's just this God of war, and he's not a God of mercy, or a God you can even get to know. And Jesus shows up and he says, no, no, no. That's not what God's like at all. Matter of fact, he's my father. And matter of fact, when you pray to him, you should call him Abba, Father. He's so different than you think. Jesus shows up to teach us and show us what God is like, who God is. He's changing everything, all of our misconceptions. But he's also shown up, and he tells us this, I've shown up. You know, Mark 10, 45 said, The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for the many. The plan all along, from the very beginning of time was that God was going to show up, that he was going to make a way, and that death that had to be paid for sin 
was going to be paid for through Jesus. Jesus was going to be the one that was going to die. So that you and I didn't have to. So that anyone who believes in Jesus didn't have to. You see, Romans 6.23 says it like this. It says, the wages or payment of sin is death. But, but, the free gift, free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, our Lord. Free gift. It's a gift. He's holding it out. But a gift is no good unless you take it, right? He's holding out this gift and he's saying, this is free. You can't earn it. You don't have to try to earn it. You can't be good enough. You don't have to try. You just take it. You just receive it. You say, I trust in Jesus. And this gift is for anyone on the planet Earth who wants it. Anyone. It's as fair as it can possibly be. Sometimes people struggle with, how is it fair? Well, God's made a way. He's come to Earth. He's paid the price that we couldn't pay, that we deserved, by the way, death. The whole world deserved death. And yet he said, no. I'm going to die in your place. But he doesn't stay dead, does he? He comes back to life. He's resurrected to show us, more importantly than anything, that death is not the end. That there's more. You are an eternal being, and you were created for eternity. And when you trust Jesus, when you place your faith in him, in his death on the cross, you become a child of God. You are adopted into His family. You are forgiven of your sins. You are redeemed and made right. And everything is made right with God. And your right then is to live forever with God. And your sins, however numerous they are, are forgiven. And the Bible tells us they are Forgotten, They are as far as the east is from the west. They are no more. They are not held against you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who know Jesus, who have trusted Him. You are not condemned any longer when you become a Christian, when you follow Jesus. Condemnation is gone. Shame is gone. Fear is gone. Worry, gone. You now know God. He has adopted you into His family, into His kingdom. You are loved Forever, you are now part of his amazing, eternal family. That is the story that God tells us. That is the story that the Bible tells us. God is a God of redemption. He started things well. We messed things up. He's fixing it. He is making a way for anyone and everyone on the planet Earth who knows him, trusts him, follows him to be redeemed. John 3.16, the most famous Bible verse there is, simply says it like this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Him, trust in Him, would be forgiven, would not die, but have eternal, everlasting, forever and ever life. Life. Jesus said it like this, In John 10.10, he said that I came that you might have life to the full. Life abundant. God has made a way so that we can trust him and know him and live with him forever. We didn't fix anything, right? We have no reason or ability to boast at all. The only boasting we can do is what Jesus did on the cross. The cross changes everything. 
This is why you see so many crosses all over the world. Necklaces or earrings or you know, tattoos. We were in a restaurant the other day and a guy had a big cross tattoo on his arm and we just said, why the cross? He said, I'm a Christian. The cross changes everything. Everything. The cross changed the world. Changed me. I'm sure it's changed many of you. We have hope in Jesus that this is at the end that there is an eternity waiting for us, a heaven and a new earth that are waiting for us. You know, when I became a Christian, I was 21. And not long after that, I've told some of you guys this, but my dad died just a few months after I became a Christian. And I struggled for a long time. I was mad at God and I was just, you know, dealing with how do I get through life. But one of the things that kept me going is the belief that I'm trusting that God has uh, an eternity waiting for us, for me, a heaven, and that I will see my dad again. I will embrace him again, and I will get to tell him how much I love him face to face. Folks, the world revolves around the sun. Not just a bright sun, but the sun, Jesus and what we need is Him. Everybody. Everybody needs Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Everybody needs Him. So, to wrap it all up, right? Here's what we believe as people of faith. We believe that God created everything with a plan that we were created in his image with purpose and meaning. We were created for relationships. We were created to take care of this planet Earth and to know God and to love him forever. But we also know and believe that we rebelled against God and sin entered the world and with it came pain and hurt, and bitterness, and fear, and jealousy, and so many hard things. And because of that came death. Sin leads to death. And that death ruptured, wrecked our relationship with God. And we were separated from Him. And it says that all have sinned. And the payment for sin is death. And we are helpless to do anything about it. But then it says this, but God showed up. John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came to show us who God is and how great God is and how loving God is. And then he came to give us life, to pay for all the sins that we couldn't pay for. To be our substitute so that we didn't have to die, he would die. To make a way so that we can all know and love him forever. And now we're at this point. If we believe all of those things, what do we do with it? What is our action steps, right? What is our life to look like if we believe all those things? Here's, here's what I would say. J Jesus simply said it like this. He's with his disciples. He's, he's in the upper room. He's going to be going soon. And he says this to his disciples. He said, I have a new command for you. Brand new. All right. Okay. Somebody get some paper. Let's write this down. He says, here it is. Ready? Love one another. They're like, we already know that. 
that's that's not new. And he goes, like I've loved you. Love one another. And they're like, oh, like you've done it. Gosh. Yeah, like I've done it. The new command is this, love one another as I have loved you, said Jesus. And he says, if you'll do that, everybody will know you're my disciple. Guys, here's our action steps. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. Ready? Everyone you come across, everybody that God puts in your pathway is your neighbor. And God calls us to love our neighbor. Love your neighbor. What's the most loving thing you could ever give to your neighbor, right? If they don't know God, the one who made them, the one who will fulfill their life, then you help them get to know God. And how do you do that? By being kind, by serving them, by being a light, being a model, by representing Christ well, by inviting them to church, to a home group, to your house, by sharing your faith, by sharing a meal, by taking on this mantra that says, I represent Christ, I'm an ambassador. And wherever I go, whatever I say, whatever I do, represents Jesus. And if my goal is that the world understand what I understand, which is how loved I am by God, then everything I say and do, I do for a reason. I do to represent him. You know, here's a picture, right? Paul, Apostle Paul said it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the one who loved me, saved me, gave himself up for me. We have been bought with a price. We are stewards of this planet Earth. And we are followers of Jesus. And we go where he tells us to go. We do what he tells us to do. We serve. We are generous with our time and our money and our words and our hearts. We represent Christ. We love our neighbor. We love our neighbor. And here's the greatest gift. I I really believe this. The greatest gift right now that we can give the world is, is this picture, this understanding of what forgiveness looks like. Because right now, we've moved into this place that says you're never forgiven. Whatever you've done in your past will be held against you. If you wrote a tweet 10 years ago that was horrible, we're going to hold that against you. We're going to kick you out of a job. We're going to make you feel embarrassed. We're going to shame you. We're going to tell the world you are not good enough. And God does the opposite He says right away, nobody's good enough. But because of Christ's death, because of God's forgiveness, we can all be good enough because of him. We can be brought back into a relationship. We can be and are forgiven. Forgiven. Nothing held against us. No shame, no condemnation, no fear, no worry. Folks, the world needs this gift They're trying to live life without a Savior, without Jesus. And it's not working. It wasn't designed to work. It's never going to work. They need Him. And they need us to represent Him. They need to see Jesus in our hands, in our feet, in our mouths, the way we love. They need to see forgiveness in action. They need to see it from us before they'll ever fully understand that it's coming from Him. 
Love your neighbor. That's, 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 the, that's the action step. Go love your neighbor. Your next door neighbor, your across the street neighbor, your workplace neighbor, your friends who don't know Jesus, your friends who do. Love them. And love is kind. And it's patient. And it's generous. It's real. It breaks through when it's hard to break through. Love your neighbor. That's the next step. And that's, gosh, guys, that's it. That's the world as we know it. God created it all. We messed it up. He fixed it. There's life in him. And our, and our job is to give that life away to everybody around us as best we can. I hope this encourages you. My prayer is that it makes your heart beat a little faster. It reminds you of who you are in Christ, how loved you are, and what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Our purpose, to know God, to love our neighbor. Amen. Amen.